0: This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Good morning, New Life. Man, it's good to see you guys today. If we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name is Kevin. I'm the lead pastor, and I'm going to guide our journey together for the next 35 minutes or so. And I just want to say welcome. Whether it's your hundredth time or your first time, welcome to New Life. We're so excited that you're here. We've been praying for you, preparing this space for you. And my hope more than anything is that you would just know beyond a shadow of a doubt that this is a, a safe and a welcome and an open place for you to come and engage in your faith and ask questions and dig in because we've created this church for you, for folks to come let the guards down, and just be open to whatever God might want to show them and help them experience in their lives. And so if it's your first time, I want to say right up front, I know it takes a step to do this. It's a risk to come to a new place, and I just want to tell you, make yourself at home. Kick your shoes off, grab a cup of coffee, get comfortable, because more than anything, more than anything, I just want you to know, that you are welcome here and that you're invited here. And I always forget to say it, so I just want to say it right now. If you're a guest with us today on the way out, we have a gift for you just to say thanks for being here. So just in case I forget later when I start talking like the micro machine man, I just wanted to say it right now so you're ready for it. Hey, one of the things we do to kind of get us all on the same page each week is we pass out programs, and inside our programs, we have a few things that will help you. They're kind of tools just to help you engage with our community. The first is this card that says, start here. So if you would, just go ahead and grab that right now, put your name on it, and if you're brand new, maybe your email address as well, and you don't even have to do anything with it yet, but if I've earned your trust over the course of the next 35, 40 minutes, I'm going to ask you to put this in the basket when it's passed. So go ahead and get that ready in case you decide you want to use it a little bit later. The other thing are these teaching notes. We're going to continue a story with a community of people that we find in the Old Testament of the Bible today. We're going to pick up where we left off last week, and I think you're really going to want to have those to take some notes, to write down some thoughts. And if you're in a life group, on the back of your teaching notes are your life group questions, what you'll be discussing throughout this week. So go ahead and get that ready. And as you're doing all that, I just want to give you a snapshot of where we've been. We are on week six of a seven-week series that we're calling Greater Than. And if you missed any part of it, you can go back to our website, newlifepedaluma.org, and you can can listen to the whole series. If you kind of tune out for a few minutes today and think, oh, I kind of missed that, you can go on there and you can listen to it there. But just so you kind of can be on the same page with all of us, the whole premise behind this series is simply this. We believe that God is greater than then we can actually comprehend that God is bigger than we can imagine, that God is more loving than we can imagine, uh, that God is more powerful than we could actually imagine, that God's more present, that he's actually here and wants to meet with us, that God's not some distant deity out there, but he's more like a personal, powerful, um, totally present, completely loving, like a heavenly father who wants to walk with us in life, who's not uh, content Being an absent parent out there, he wants to be present with you here. And then because of that, we believe that God wants to do great things in your life, greater things in you and through you than you and I could ever do on our own. Because we can live a pretty good life on our own, but we can live a great life when we partner that with a perfect, powerful, loving, heavenly Father— And one of the key ways to partner with God to move him from absent father to present father would be through prayer. And so we're taking this prayer adventure together. And a lot of us decided we were going to do what's called a 40-day fast where we stopped doing something. For me, it was social media. For other people, it's desserts or it's watching TV or listening to the car and listening to the car listening to the radio in the car, uh, and then when we would normally do that thing, instead we're just engaging with God on a prayer topic to kind of jumpstart this prayer adventure. And you can see up on this wall, there's about 500 of those uh, prayer commitment cards that we've been doing. And by the way, if God's been nuancing that prayer for you, you can write down uh, a status update in the, the cards in the seat backs in front of you and pass those in the baskets a little later as well. So this is just kind of the journey that we've been on. And what I want to do today is I want to talk about what it looks like that this is a, kind of a long journey and not just a quick, instant journey. And to do that, I want to tell you about two great movies I saw this weekend— and normally I don't do this because in a group this size, we have different opinions about what a great movie is and what type of movie you should see and shouldn't see. So just bear with me. Two great movies. The first was a love story. Uh, we tried to go on a date all weekend long. My wife and I couldn't find a babysitter, so we decided to compromise on a stay-at-home date. Here was the compromise. She made chicken nachos for me. I rented a love story for her. That was the compromise that we had. Healthy marriage right there. And uh, so as we're eating our chicken nachos, I watched this movie. And I want to tell you the plot line because it was just, it was inspiring. This movie was so good. The plot line was this. Two single people, very successful, life came easy to them. They had everything handed to them. They were attractive. They were smart. They had all the pieces. They, they met each other, fell in love. No awkward dating time. No sweaty palms. Just really, really an easy dating relationship. Got married about a year later. Everything seemed great. They hit a little rocky water. They decided, you know what? We're going to get divorced. They got divorced and they lived really happy lives on their own. And that was the end of the movie. Man, it was inspiring. This movie was, mm, it's powerful. It's powerful. The, the next movie I saw, it, it just gets better. Just wait. The next movie I saw was a sports movie. And, uh, and it was, again, equally as challenging as inspiring. It was about a team, much like um, the Chicago Bears were in the 1980s. Now, this team—I'm a Bears fan, so some of you Packers fans are <clears throat> hurt right now. This team, this team, they were so good. Like, they were heads and shoulders above every other team in the league. And uh, and they went through the preseason, won every game easily. They had no internal struggle with their team, no tension, no conflict. They were just a well-oiled machine. Went through the regular season, won every game. I mean, no one could touch them. Got to the playoffs, no problem. Got to the Super Bowl, won the whole thing easily. I and mean, it was incredibly inspiring. No turmoil, no tension, just, they just skyrocketed through. Now, if those sound like ridiculous, uninspiring, you would never want to see a movie like that, plot lines. You're right. I totally made that up. Totally made it up. Here's why. No one would ever make a movie like that because no one would ever go see a movie like that. That is an uninspiring movie. We're inspired by, by movies about the couple that triumphs over adversity, that is together for the long haul, in marriages, like, for example, there's some newlyweds in here, and we love you guys. We love that you're always rubbing the back of each other's necks during church and stuff. It's very sweet sharing your mocha. Very cute. <laughs> but you aren't nearly as inspiring as a couple that's been married for 40 years who has had really high highs, who's worked through the really low lows, who has triumphed and is still together 40 years later more deeply in love than they were in year one. Newlyweds, we're happy for you, but we're not inspired by you as much as we are by the long-haul marriage that's, that's still going, that's still going. We're not inspired by the team that skates to the Super Bowl. We're inspired by the team like the 1980 USA hockey team. Remember that movie Miracle was made about that team? Uh, of a bunch of amateurs and college players who bonded together, who worked together, who went through adversity but overcame it, and they beat the Russians in the 1980 Olympics. Now, the Russians had won every gold for six of the last seven Olympics. They were the undisputed powerhouse, and Team USA beat them. Those are the stories that inspire us. Stories like that, the movie Forty Two that came out about Jackie Robinson, the first player to break through the color barrier and play on the Brooklyn Dodgers. We are inspired by his story. We're inspired by stories like one of my personal favorites, D Two, the Mighty Ducks Two. Now, remember this story. It was powerful. This this team of Pee Wee Minnesota Pee Wee hockey players triumphed through adversity in D One. They won their their junior league thing in. Minnesota. And then they went on, as the next logical step would go, to represent Team USA in the Olympics, right? This was like very—and then they played in junior varsity in high school in D3. It was a very powerful storyline. But those are the movies that inspire us. Those are the movies we pay exorbitant money to go see in the theater. Stories where teams triumph over the long haul. Stories where love slow cooks and marinates over the long haul. Those are the things that really, they get us going— But we have a tension. See, when it comes to real life, we like things now. When it comes to movies, we're fine watching it there, as long as it's not more than two hours. But when it comes to real life, we want it it immediately. Even though we know that the best things tend to develop over, over time. And we're on this prayer adventure with God right now. What I want to talk about is I want to talk about what do we do when we're praying to God and it's taking time for God's response to develop. Because we live in a, a fast-paced Twitter feed, uh, Amazon Prime, get it the next day, microwave your dinner sort of culture where we want it now, 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 now. And if we're not careful, that translates into our adventures in prayer with God, where we put in a prayer and we think, I want it now, I want it now, I want it now. And sometimes God answers prayers that way, and that's fantastic, but sometimes God likes to slow cook our prayers. And what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about what do we do when it's not a microwave prayer, where we put it in and a minute later we get an answer. What do we do when it's more like a, a crockpot prayer? When we're dreaming big dreams with God, where we're holding on to a promise that we feel like God put in our heart about, about a career, about a direction, about uh, a, a ministry, when we're asking God for a miracle, and it seems like it's taking a long time, months, years, to develop. Because when those prayers come out of the crock pot, mm, it smells good. It smells a lot better than a microwave prayer. But we gotta wait sometimes. So what I wanna do is I wanna, I wanna pick up the story where we were talking last week about a group of people called the Nation of Israel. And just to give you kind of some backstory of this group, there are about two million people, and God is their leader. The God of the Bible is their God, and they were in slavery for 400 years under Egypt. Well, God freed them from slavery. He led them into this desert area, and then they were there for 40 years. And we picked up the story last week where God said, I'm going to give you that land on the other side of this river called the Jordan River that we talked about was at flood stage. It was a mile wide at this point. What I didn't say to you was it was at flood stage because there was a snow covered mountain in the distance, and when that snow melted, it ran down, and it had about a 14,000 foot elevation drop in a relatively short amount of time. And you can imagine, as this water rushed down, it became rapids. And if you're a, a rafter, or you like river sports, we're talking class four plus rapids. We're talking big rapids on this mile-wide river. And God says to the people, I- I'm gonna do a miracle. I'm gonna, cro- I'm gonna part the water so you can get across, but this miracle is gonna have two parts. It's gonna have my part, and it's gonna have your part. He said, my part is I'm going to part the water so you can get across, but your part is before I part the water, before I part the class four rapids, your priests have to step into the water, and once they get in, then I'm going to do the miraculous. And last week we talked about the reality that every big prayer has two parts, God's part and our part. If you're praying for your marriage, two parts, God's part and our part. If you're praying for your job, God's part and our part. And so one of the things we have to figure out on a prayer adventure is what's God's part? And what's my part? You can hear that online if you you missed it last week. But that miracle last week was kind of a microwave miracle. God said, I'll do it when you step in the water. They stepped in the water and bam, God did it. What God's about to do now is a crockpot miracle. See, they came across the Jordan to the city called Jericho. And Jericho was the first major city they would have to take over in order to inhabit this land that God wanted to give them. And Jericho was surrounded by two huge walls. There was, um, an outer wall that was about six feet thick and maybe about ten feet high. And then there was an inner wall that was 12 feet thick and anywhere from 15 to 30 feet high. It was this massive wall all around this ancient fortified city. And there were these soldiers in Jericho and they were a decent army, but nothing compared to the 500,000 soldier army that was marching across the water to attack them. And so they did what anyone would do when you see 2 million people coming over with an army of half a million people. They retreated into the city, into the walls how many how many lord of the rings fans do we have in here okay just think helms deep okay they were they were into helms deep they retreated into the walls because they thought the only way we can survive is if we all come together get on the wall and fortify the city and the israelites are feeling pretty good about themselves remember god's just done a miracle in their midst so they get their swords they get their spears they get ready to attack and they say, okay, God, we're just going to go up and we're going to charge the city. We're going to throw up uh, some ropes. We're going to start to climb over and then we're going to go for it. And God says, no, I've got a different plan this time. Because God doesn't always answer prayers the same way. God likes to mix it up on us. God likes to keep us on our toes. Because the whole point of prayer is not to put money in like a slot machine and get something else out. The whole point of prayer is to engage with God on a journey. So he says, no, 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 don't leave me out. I want to do it different this time. Here's what I want to do. And we pick it up in Joshua chapter 6, verse 2 the Lord said to Joshua, he was the leader of these people, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. So this is what I want you to do. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. Remember, the ark was that golden box we talked about last week that had the Ten Commandments in it. I said it was the most holy, valuable piece of furniture the Israelites had with the ark, and on the seventh day, march around the city, not one time, but seven times, with the priests blowing their trumpets. When you hear the sound of the long blast of the trumpets, have the whole army, roughly half a million men, have the whole army give a loud shout, and then the city wall will collapse, and the army will go up, everyone straight in. So God's talking to Joshua, and Joshua was a warrior leader. He was like, a man's man. He was a go and take the city. He spent most of his career after he crossed over fighting battles, leading the people into army. He was a military commander. And he says, okay, God, I'm ready to go with you. I'm going to partner with you. Gets his shield on. He's probably envisioning flaming arrows, battering rams. He's envisioning scaling the walls. He's envisioning uh, strategically cutting off the water supply from Jericho so no water can get in to, to get the people in drought, to get them having to come out. He's envisioning using all of his gifts to do a miracle. And God says, no, I've got a different plan for you, Joshua. We're not going to go at it head on this time. We're going to go about it in a circular sort of way. I want you for six days to take your army, line them up in regiments, march up to the edge of the archer's range so that they can't hit you, but you're just outside of their range, and then make a hard right turn. And I want half a million of you to just march around the city and then go back to camp for the day. Get up the next morning, do the same thing, back to camp. For six days, do that. And on the seventh day, do it seven times. So Joshua goes to the people, and he tells them, this is what God wants us to do. I guess we're going to do it. And verse 8 says, when Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets before the Lord went forward. They were blowing their trumpets, and the ark of the Lord's covenant was behind them The armed guard marched ahead of the priests who blew the trumpets and the rear guard followed the ark. All the time the trumpets were sounding, but Joshua commanded his army. And I want you to underline this next sentence. He commanded his army, do not give a war cry, do not raise your voices, and do not say a word. Just, we're going to come back to that. So just underline that. Do not say a word until the day I tell you to shout. And then I want you to shout. Verse 11 says, so he had the ark Of the Lord carried around the city, circling at once. Then the army returned to camp and spent the night there. And they did this day one. They circled in complete silence. Now imagine trying to get half a million people to be in complete silence as you marched around day one. Back to camp. Get up the next morning, assemble the troops. Get out there, hard right turn, march around the camp in complete silence, not saying a word. Day three, march around complete silence, four, five, six without saying a word, as, as these walls, this 30-foot-high wall is just full of an entire city of archers staring down at you, ready to fire their bow and arrows. But don't say a word. Don't say a word. March around in silence. Can you imagine being an Israelite soldier that day? Looking up at this 30-foot-high wall, a, a bigger wall than you maybe had ever seen since you came into the wilderness, with archers one, two, maybe three deep with arrows ready to fly at you. It doesn't specify this, but, but I really believe as I read through this that there was a lot of prayer going on that day. A lot of prayer. Because what else are you going to do when you're marching around a city when someone's got an arrow pointed at you? But pray. They couldn't talk. All they could do was pray. I, I kind of picture in my mind at least a few of the Israelite soldiers looking up at the wall of Jericho and the people looking down like on day four, totally puzzled. Why are you doing this? And the soldiers walking around the city, looking up like, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. He told, God told me to do it. I don't know. And just marching in complete silence, thinking, God, where are you? Seven days, really? Now imagine what would have happened if the soldiers on day three had said, you know what? I'm done circling this city. Nothing's happening. We're not attacking. We're not fighting. We're not doing what we're supposed to do. I'm all dressed up with nowhere to go. No one's taking me to the prom today. I'm not going to circle the city anymore. Imagine what would have happened if they would have made it all the way to day seven. But on circle number three on day seven, they said, you know what? We've been walking just today for like six miles. I'm exhausted. My legs are tired. I'm not going to walk around this wall anymore. I'm done praying about it. I'm going to pack up and go home. Can you imagine what would have happened if they would have said, I want my prayer now. And if you don't give it to me now, I'm done praying for it. I'm done circling the city. I'm done walking. They would have forfeited the miracle that God wanted to do in their midst. And I think there's something for us there. Because God, sometimes when we pray, God answers immediately. And God, I think God loves to do that, but God is not, he's not, he's too big to be put into a box. And he's not willing to say, I'm going to do it the same way every time. And sometimes, Sometimes God has us circling prayers for days, weeks, months, and years. And sometimes situations get worse before they get better. And sometimes it feels like nothing's happening and nothing's moving and we don't know what's going on. And those are the moments when God would say, press into me, press into me, engage with me deeper. Don't run from me, run to me, because those are some of the best prayers. When God answers those prayers weeks later, months later, years later, that's the ones we look back on it, and we say, "Wow, God answered that prayer. I've been praying for ten years, and God just now did it. The microwave prayers are good, and we like those, and listen, we 're an immediate culture. We like it when God answers right now, but, but over and over again, we see that there are times when God, not that he's not answering, not that he's not moving, but he likes to slow it down, and He likes to crockpot these bad boys. And what I want to do is I want to talk about the benefits of crockpot prayers, because microwave prayers are great, but man. Crock-pot sometimes tastes a whole lot better than microwave. And I want to do it by telling you my, my journey over the last 11 weeks of crock-potting my prayers, because I'm a type A driven guy who likes things done now. If a project can't get done in about two weeks, I'm kind of done with the project. Pass it to somebody else. Let's move on to the next thing. But God's had me on this journey of, of prayer and praying some big prayers. And you can see our church miracles are up on either wall over here. We're praying that God would make us the most generous church in Sonoma County, that, that God would enable us to hire at least one new pastor, that God would help us to reach our community with his great love. Because we think God is so big and so loving and so creative and so beautiful that, man, we think everyone in our community would like to know him and we think we're just one of the best-kept secrets in Petaluma. But if people actually knew, then they'd want to come. So we're asking God to help us to reach 800 people a week by the end of the year, which has never been done in our church. And I don't, I don't know if it's ever been done in Petaluma. We're, we're praying for some big stuff. We're praying, we're praying that God would transform our campus so we don't look like an abandoned warehouse anymore. Because like I say, Halloween only comes one day a year, and that, work, that look only works on Halloween, only on Halloween. The rest of the year, it just looks ugly, Okay. So here's what I'm learning about crock-potting my prayers. Most of you know my, my beard genesis, which was 11 weeks ago. Uh, I felt like God said, hey, these, these prayers you're praying about are not going to be one and done. Crock- they're not going to be microwave prayers. They're going to be long-term prayers. So here's what I want you to do. I just sensed God was nudging me. Grow a beard, and then every time it itches or it bothers you or you get crackers stuck in it, which happens more and more frequently these days, every time your wife gives you that look like, you're disgusting. Okay. Any, then pray. Then pray. That, that was the reminder. Pray. So anytime it itches, I get, get it stuck. It starts to gross me out. I get the look from Maria. I just pray for these things. So you know that story, but you might not know my circle story. That same day, 11 weeks ago, I felt like God was saying, and I want you to go somewhere every day and pray about this stuff. And so out in the parking lot, just past the second berm, if you drive out there, there's a little circle about three feet in diameter. I just took a stick and I just drew a circle in the dirt about three feet in diameter. And I said, God, I'm going to come every time I come to church, I'm going to come stand in the circle. And I'm just going to pray. I'm going to stare at the church and I'm just going to pray for you to do these things so that before I start my day, before I get into to work mode before, because I tend to be a go, go, go kind of guy. I'm just going to start off by praying. And I'm learning some real benefits to these prayers. Now that we're 11 weeks in, God's just showing me some cool stuff. So I want to share that with you, if that's okay. Is that okay? Yeah. All right, perfect. So this is what, this is what I want to do. The first thing, it's not in your notes, but I just got to share. Sometimes when you crockpot prayers, I realize sometimes when you crockpot prayers, it feels awkward. That's not in your notes, but you can just write it down. It feels awkward two weeks into crock potting my prayers to being out in that circle. It was a Sunday morning. It was about seven fifteen. It was misty out there, and I was out there with my—I had my car pulled up, and I was standing in my circle, and our worship pastor Justin was out getting some coffee before the worship teams came in, and he didn't have his glasses on, so he couldn't see all that well. And so I see him in there, and I'm just kind of smiling and praying. I come back in, and he says, Kevin, the weirdest thing happens this morning. This is a true story. The weirdest thing happens this morning. He says, he says, there was a guy out in the parking lot with his car there just staring at the church. He's like, and this is true, this is honest, honest to goodness. He says, I'm pretty sure he was like a drug dealer. I'm pretty sure it's like a... And then he goes on to describe this drug dealer. He says, Kevin, he had on a plaid shirt and he had kind of a scruffy looking beard. I'm not making this up. And he goes, and he kind of looked like... And then it dawned on him, he's like... I was like, yeah, that was me. I was out there. I was out there praying. I'm the drug dealer that you were concerned about. Luckily, he didn't call the cops on me. (sighs) We got a drug dealing pastor out in the parking lot over. (sighs) But sometimes it's just awkward. But here's the thing. When you're praying long time prayers, people are going to lose hope in the thing you're praying for. And they're going to say, why are you still praying about that? It's hopeless. It's done. You might lose hope in the thing you're praying for. There are times when it just feels awkward and you want to give up. Don't give up. Press in because some of the best prayers happen over a long time, like the best movies. So that's just one thing. I just want to let you know, it does get awkward sometimes. I stand out there and we let the health center use our parking lot throughout the week, which means every morning when I'm praying, people are just driving into the parking lot and staring at me because I'm randomly standing out there staring at the building like I'm lost. It's like, "Where where are we? So now I've just taken a saying, hey, how you doing? My name's Kevin. I'm the pastor of this church. I'm just praying for the city, just in case you're wondering, because I know they are. It's just awkward, but that's okay. Push through the awkward. Push through the awkward. The next benefit of crockpot prayers, this actually is in your notes. That was just a freebie because I love you. Crockpot prayers get more flavorful over time. That's one of the things I'm learning. Crockpot prayers, they get more flavorful. They get more nuanced. One of the things I, I love about crockpots is you just add in a bunch of ingredients, and then over the course of the day, they cook together into something delicious, right? The flavors meld, and oh, it's so good. And when I started praying for these things, I would go out to my prayer circle every day, and I would pray for these four things I was asking God to do head on, straight away. God, help us reach our city. God, help us become generous. God, help us to improve our, our campus. God, help us to hire a pastor. And then, about, I don't know, three weeks into it, I realized, hey, there are ingredients that are going to have to come into play for us to reach these dreams. And so I started praying for the ingredients. For example, we're praying that we would reach 800 people, but the ingredients that come into that are that for us to do that, God would have to, each of us individually, God would have to to help us understand how much He loves our city. He would just have to help us understand that individually. Because the only way to reach people and invite them is for us, the 600 of us who meet every week, to actually invite people to come, so God has to do something in our hearts to say, "Hey, I, I think, I think God actually loves my coworkers, my neighbors, my spouse, my kids." So I've been praying for you that God would help each of us know how much He loves our neighborhood, our city. I realized that um, that for us to reach our community would mean that each of us would have to take a risk and invite people to come to church because I I joke that we're the best-kept secret in Petaluma. Like, no one knows we're here. We're this old warehouse back in a corner somewhere. So we're going to have to actually invite people to come. And we've got Easter coming up. So I've been praying for you that God would put people in your life and in your path, that you could just invite them to come to Easter, because Easter is a natural time to invite our friends to come and encounter God. Because we're not going to reach our community if we don't actually invite people to come. And so we're making it as easy as we can, by the way. Uh, starting tomorrow, if you live up in Runner Park or you work up north on that big electronic billboard, if you're driving southbound every minute for six seconds, you're going to see a huge sign that said, church should be fun, newlifepetaluma.org. That's just a huge sign you'll see driving southbound. Yeah, it's awesome. Facebook. We started a big Facebook campaign last week. The church should be campaign. You should be seeing it. Church should be fun. Church should be open. Church should be engaging. So you'll see that. Um, Starting next week on Kentucky Street, you'll have a huge banner over the street that says, church should be fun. New life Petaluma. And, uh, And so you could just invite your friends to Easter and just say, hey, we're the church should be fun church. That's us. We're the church should be fun church. We're trying to help you Bridge that awkward gap when you invite your friends. I know it's risky, but I'm telling you, man, Easter's a great time. It should be fun. It should be a celebration any Sunday, but especially Easter. And it's going to be so much fun on Easter. So you're going to want to just invite your friends to come. Um, I've asked God to to transform our our campus. Right? We've been talking about that: the parking lot, um, the sports court we want to put out there, some of these classrooms we want to build, so that we can help mentor you in certain areas of life even better than we ever have before. But I realized that means that we need to have favor with the city. So I stopped praying specifically that we'd be able to get a new parking lot, for example, and started praying, God, give us favor with the city. And over the course of the last couple months, God's been doing that. We've got our permits into the city for that parking lot, and uh, it should take about four months for that to get done. Well, the Smart Rail, who's doing part of our grading, they leave in like three weeks. So we've been praying, God, would you work? Would you help us to have favor? And it looks like we're about a week away from getting those permits totally through. What should take four months is taking about three and a half weeks. So God's working. So that's exciting. Yeah. Some good news. And there's some unique opportunity with that. That means that uh, we might, on Easter weekend, have the parking lot completely torn up because we need to get the smart, trained people in here. All that means is, instead of driving onto a dirt parking lot like this, you're going to drive onto a dirt parking lot kind of like that. So it's no big deal. It's still going to be dirt, but it's just one of those unique opportunities that we have. But I've been nuancing these prayers. God, give us favor with the city. God, give us favor with our neighbors, because all of our neighbors around here could put the axe on us building that parking lot. They just could, because they have the right to do that, but they're not. I was talking to our friends next door, and they were like, we love you guys. We want to do anything we can. They were, they were going to write a letter to the city saying how much they appreciated new life and how much they wanted to partner with us. So, so that's what it's been like for me. How about for you? Some of us are praying for our marriage, and I know you're praying that God would help you to forgive your spouse and help them to forgive you, but if you thought about nuancing that prayer, throwing in some other ingredients like this, like, God help us to find a babysitter. Because if you have young kids and you're like me, you know how hard it is to find a babysitter. Sometimes, but I know you want to date, but you can't get a babysitter. We went through like eight different people trying to find a babysitter last weekend before we found a stay-at-home date with our chicken nachos. That was true. We did have chicken nachos, delicious, delicious, and we did watch a Nick Sparks movie, not delicious. <laughs> but have you thought about throwing in ingredients if you're working on your marriage right now? God help us to find a babysitter. You ever pray for a babysitter? That's a weird thing to pray about, and yet. If If you're going to crockpot your marriage miracle, maybe you want to throw in some babysitter ingredients. Maybe you want to throw in some time ingredients. God, give us a little more time so we can actually talk to each other more than that five minutes as we're falling into bed because that's neither of our most attractive time. Throw in some ingredients. Crockpot prayers taste better because we marinate on things. The second thing is this. Crockpot prayers turn into a conversation with God. I'm going to share something with you that is probably going to surprise some of you. Uh, I can talk a lot. I can talk a lot. I know. You should write that down. Big discovery. It took me just about three weeks of going out to my prayer circle to pray to run out of things to say to God. Literally, every, every day, five, six days a week, for three weeks, i talk, 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 talk. Finally, about week three, I got out there, got into my circle, and I was like, I, I don't have anything else to say. I think God was like, finally, finally, thank me, is what God said. Here's why it was so great. Here's why it was so great. When I ran out of things to say, you know what happened? I said, God, I don't have anything else to say. What should I pray about? And then God nudged me to pray about certain things that I wasn't actually thinking about. And when I say he nudged, I mean like I didn't hear a voice, the sky didn't open up, there was like a nudge on me, like pray about this, pray for them, um, pray in this area that I wasn't thinking about, and then I just started to pray that way. Remember, this journey of prayer is about engaging with God. And anytime you engage with someone, if you talk all the time, that relationship is not that healthy. We want to listen as well. And the great thing about God not answering your prayer the first time is eventually you're going to run out of things to say, and then you kind of got to shut up. And when you shut up, God starts to talk. So, so that's, that's a great thing about crockpotting your prayers. If God's not answering right now, say, thank you, God, because eventually I'm going to run out of things to say. And then God will start to, to speak to you, to nudge you in the thing you're praying about right now. Are you almost out of things to say? If you are, that's not a bad thing. Don't freak out with silence. God is fine with silence. Just say this. Say, God, what should I pray about? And then just wait and see if you get any sort of nudge. If your mind goes to something, pray about it. Pray about it. That could be God nudging you. And the third thing is great about about crockpot prayers is this. Crockpot prayers become rhythms in our relationship with God. The whole goal is to change some patterns so we're engaging with God regularly, not just praying at dinner and not just praying when we get the flu. God, either kill me now or get me better, right? But to, to pray regularly with God. And this whole 40-day fasting we're on has been really good for us because it's changing our patterns. And my hope would be that we wouldn't get to Easter and realize, oh, thank goodness I made it through. Now I can stop doing that. But that, that this 40 days would stretch into a, a life change for us. Where we would be engaging with God in some regular rhythms, this whole fasting from Facebook thing for me has been really good. It's been eye-opening and hard because I, I always grab my phone to look and see what's going on on Facebook, but now I don't do that. Now I just I pray instead, and I want to keep a rhythm like that going. I, I will be getting back onto Facebook, but I do want to get a rhythm going, a rhythm going. I think this is so important because too often we get to an end of a teaching series. And two weeks later, we look back and think, oh, that was a really fun series. Yeah, we did some good stuff there, but it didn't actually change my life. Friends, I don't want that for us with this series. I want this to change some of our rhythms. I'm so emphatic on that, that next week I'm spending the entire day just talking about how do we translate what we've learned for the past six weeks into our lives moving forward so that it slingshots us forward as we engage with God. So don't miss next week. I'm going to talk about how do we take this idea of rhythms in our life and move forward with God in it. as we wrap up our time, I just want to say one of the best things, in my opinion, about crockpot dinners is you set it and forget it. You walk out, you come back in five hours later, six hours later, you open the door, and the goodness, the smell just hits you. You know that feeling? It's like, oh, that's good. It could still be two hours away from that meal being done, but just the smells of it and the anticipation. Your mouth starts to water, and you're like, oh, I got I to gotta get me some of that stew. That is some good, some good stuff in that crock pot. And then what do you do? You go over to it, and you're about to open it, and your wife says, don't you dare open it. Or maybe that's just me. I don't know, but that's... But there's something about crock pot dinners that builds our anticipation for the meal. And the same is true when it comes to prayer. There's something about our crockpot prayers that should build a holy anticipation in us because you never know at any moment God could could blast through into this realm and could answer that prayer. And because we never know, we can pray with this holy anticipation, with that that smell like, oh, this is gonna be good when he does answer because God always answers. He always responds to us. He always hears us. The question we just don't always know is when's he gonna do it and what's it gonna look like? But I'm telling you, Don't get discouraged if he hasn't answered your prayers yet. Be encouraged. Be encouraged and let that build in you in anticipation because at any moment, at any moment, God could answer it. It could be a 30-year prayer that God's going to answer and your next prayer time and your next time with him. And man, that should encourage us because the best stories take time to unfold as the plot builds, as the characters go through difficult times and they bond together. And some of the best prayers take time to unfold. As we press into God, as we engage with him, as we draw close to him, you might be, you might be on day seven, on lap six, and you feel like you're going to be circling this thing forever, and you're one lap away. We just never know. And man, how exciting is that? So just keep on praying. Keep on pressing in. And I want to close by saying this. There's one prayer that's a microwave prayer that God answers immediately every time, and I love God for it, and it's this. God is so discontent with us seeing him as some distant deity who's disconnected from us that God left heaven and came to earth. In Jesus Christ, he was fully God and fully man, and he gave his life on a cross to pay the penalty for our sin. Sin are those things that we think and say and do that are hurting us, that are hurting the people we love, and that have separated us from God. And God did that because of his great love for us. And when he did that, he said, I'm making a way for you to experience my love, to be forgiven by me and to have a relationship with me. And he says, all all I'm asking is not that you initiate with me, but that you respond to me, that you respond to my great love by by giving your life to me, by inviting me on this journey with you, by allowing me to lead you and guide you in this life. You might say it like this, by by becoming a follower of Jesus. And if you're here today and you've never become a follower of Jesus, you've heard the stories, you've you've tinkered with it, you've been around the church for a, a while, a week, a month, a year, but you've never become a follower of Jesus. Today's your day. And you can pray and you can ask God to become the Lord of your life, the leader of your life. And when you do that, God answers that prayer immediately. It's not a crockpot thing. He's been crockpotting this day for a long time so that you could come and pray and He would answer that prayer and break into your life. And if you're ready to do that today, I'm going to pray right now and I'm going to give you a chance to do that. So let's close our eyes. Let's pray together. And I want to pray for you. As our eyes are closed and as we're preparing to pray, if you're here and you're ready to say yes to God, if you're ready to start that journey with him, you can repeat this simple prayer after me. It's just a prayer where you would commit your life to God today. Become a follower of Jesus. You can say this. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you love me and that you gave your life pay the penalty for my sin. Today I say yes. I want to have a relationship with you. So would you come into my life? Would you forgive me of my sin? Would you fill me with your spirit? And would you show me what it looks like to walk with you every day from this day forward, even as I walk into eternity? I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message.